I guess I get the first half today. Okay, all right. Well, they've uh, deferred, and so uh, I'm going to go first. If you have your Bible, turn with me to page 598, 598. <laughs> what, you don't get it? All right, 598, Jonah, the book of Jonah. And uh, we'll get into God's Word this morning. It is uh, good to be back in the Lord's house, and uh, I will tell you, if some of you think I look bad, you should have seen me earlier, okay? All right, we're going to get into God's Word. Look at Jonah, Jonah chapter 1. And uh, once you're there, if you could, let me know you're there by saying amen. 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 Jonah chapter 1, in verse number 1 and following, notice what the Word of God has to say. Now the Word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against him, for their wickedness has come come up against before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the day that you've given us. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the fun that we can have in your house. And Lord, I pray that you will give me strength. God, I pray that you'll give me clarity of thought and clarity of speech. God, that your word might ring forth and God, that it might prick our hearts, that we might be blessed, that we might be encouraged, but God, that today that we would be challenged as your children. God, I pray if there's somebody in this room or somebody watching that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, that through all the fun of Super Sunday as we've dubbed it, Lord, that you would receive the honor that people might be saved today, that lives might be put back together. Lord, we are so grateful. We're so thankful for all that you do in our lives. Lord, we need you. We need you every hour. And so, Lord, I pray that you be with us. Be with this fun service today. May you receive all the honor and the glory, and we'll give you the praise for it. In Jesus' precious name and for his sake, amen and amen. Well, over the years, today has become known as Super Sunday because of a football game that will actually be played later this evening, but I would encourage you that today is super, not because of football, but today is super because of a great Savior, amen? And uh, I don't know about you, but I get excited. It seems like I get more and more excited, not about football, but about the snacks. (laughs) I mean, let's be honest. Who, I, I mean, I said something to my wife last night. I mean, I'm feeling a little peaked. I'm a little underweight. I mean, I know I've been off of my game for a little while, but I, I, I leaned over to her. I said, oh, man. I said, I don't think we talked about our snacks for tomorrow. I said, chicken dip, pepperoni dip. I started naming all the dips that she makes that I love. And, and she said, well, I have the stuff for this, and I have the stuff for this. And I was like, yes, we need snacks. But, you know, apart from all the snacks that we'll be eating, The reality of today is that two teams will face each other on the field of play. And the reality is that I understand that we've got fans. I mean, if you're a Cowboy fan, I pray for you. Man, if you're a Commander fan, I pray for you, right? (laughs) Whatever. Whatever you are, the the reality is that two teams are going to gather today. And you got Bengals fans and Rams fans that are getting all frenzied up about a football game. And the reality is that it doesn't matter how much you and I get fired up. What matters is what the team does on the field, amen? Amen. 
You see, because the victor, the victory is going to go to the team, whichever team actually runs the best, whichever tackles the best, whichever passes the best, whichever kicks the best, which actually scores the most points. Hello? As believers, just like the team on the field has the opportunity to seize the day, you and I have opportunity today and every day. These opportunities that were given by God to seize the day and to win. Not because you and I are good, but because Jesus is good. Because he is great. Because he works in and through us. Jonah had that same opportunity. He was called, he was commanded by God to be his representative to the people of Nineveh. Notice in chapter 1, Nineveh is this capital city of Assyria. And Nineveh, yes, it's great in size, it's the capital city, it was a great city politically, but Nineveh was great in evil, it was the, a wicked city. It was known for its wickedness. And so I'm using great in an opposite kind of direction. It was a wicked city, and the reality is that Nineveh was great to God, not because of its power, not because of its might, not because of its size. It was a great city to God because there were thousands and thousands of souls that lived in Nineveh. And in this short book of Scripture, as odd as it may seem, as we were talking about doing a Super Sunday, as odd as it may seem in this short book of Scripture, what I see is that Jonah's, Jonah's actual response and his story, they play out right before our very eyes like four quarters of a football game. And so if you have your Bible, I pray that you do. By the way, this is the best place to bring your Bible. Amen? Amen. Nobody's going to criticize you. Nobody's going to uh, come down on you for having your Bible in God's house. Notice with me, I want you to notice, I'm going to break up Jonah's story and his response to God's call in his life in four short quarters. Notice with me, in beginning in uh, uh, the first quarter, we see Jonah running from God. He's running from God. Notice verse 2, because in verse 2 we see God's will for Jonah, and he says, arise. He says, Jonah, get up. And then he says, go into Nineveh. And he says, when you get to Nineveh, I want you to cry against that wicked city because that city's important to me. And so we see God's will. But just like you and I, Jonah has a will too. Anybody ever been there, done that? God says, do this. And we have our own will. God says, hey, get up. Get into the city. I want you to do what I've told you to do. And we say, no, I'm not really into that, God. In verse 3, we see Jonah. He's decided that his will is more important than God's will. Notice verse 3 says, But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But in that moment, what's crazy to me is in that moment, Jonah forgets the omnipresence of God. He's you, do you get what I'm saying? He's trying to do the impossible. He's trying to do something that maybe you and I have tried to do, but there's no way that we'll ever accomplish it. He's trying to run away from the presence of the Lord. Folks, it was David who understood that this was a fallacy. This could not be done because in Psalm 139, David says these words in verse number 7 and 8. He says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, hell, behold, thou art there. Folks, you can run, but you can't hide. Anybody ever tried it? Probably could write a few books on it. Jonah spirals down. Look, he spirals down in verse 3 to Joppa. 
He pays the fare. He not only goes in opposite direction from where God tells him to do, he actually pays the fare to get on this boat. He goes down in the ship hoping that this ship, think about the fallacy of this, he's hoping that this ship is going to carry him far away from the presence of God. Far away from God's call and God's command. But you know, before we judge Jonah too harshly, that's exactly what we do. The Bible says, love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all of thy soul, with all of thy mind, and with all of thy strength. Do we do it? The Bible says, love thy neighbor as thyself. Do we do it? See, we sometimes, we want to we judge everybody else, but we have to look in the mirror. The Bible says, serve the Lord with gladness and come into his presence with singing. Oh, how, how many times have we forsaken the assembling of ourselves as the manner of some is because we just don't feel like it? I got news for you. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. But God is still on his throne. He is great to be praised. The Bible tells us to love our enemies, to bless them that curse us, to do good to them that hate us, to pray for them which despitefully use us and persecute us. Do we do it? Oh, listen. Sometimes we look at Jonah's story and we say, mm, 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 mm. look at Jonah running from God and that's exactly what we do. The Bible says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. God says, arise and go this way many times. And when God says, go this way many times, we're just like Jonah. We say, no, uh-uh, God, I've got my own plan. I'm going to go this way. And God says, no, I need you to turn around and get back and do what I've told you to do. Folks, I, the reality is you and I can find a ship anywhere. We live in northern Virginia. I can get on the ship right now. I can pay the fare. I can go down to Joppa. I can flee unto Tarshish all I want. But the reality is I will never, ever, ever outrun the loving arms of God Almighty. Like Jonah, whenever we decide to follow our own will, whenever we think that our will is more important than God's will, the dirty devil, he'll provide the transportation. We say, oh, I've got my plan. God, I've got my plan. I've got it all worked out. I'm going to get my college degree, I'm going to get job A, and then I'm going to get job B, then I'm going to get my master's and I'll have job C, and then, you know, I might become a doctor or whatever, I'll do what I'm going to do, and God, you just come along for the ride. That's not how it works. The devil will always pay for our transportation when we're running away from God. That's why sin is so dangerous, because it takes us further than we want to go. It teaches us a lot more than we actually want to know. It keeps us longer than we want to stay. And in the end, it costs us more than we want to pay. By the way, look back at the text. Look at verse number 4 and 5, because the reality is the text also tells you and I, if we're paying attention to what God is saying, it tells us that when we run away from God, it, it, it will wear you the heck out. You ever tried to run from God and feel like, man, I have no energy. I'm tired. I'm down. I can't do anything else. No, 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 no. That's what happens when you try to run from God. Look at verse number four. Verse number four, the Bible says that the Lord sends out a great wind into the sea. And there was a tempest in the sea so that the ship was to be broken. But Jonah, he is so worn out. Look at the end of verse number 5. It says that Jonah's gone down in the sides of the ship and he lay there and he was fast asleep. Everybody else on the boat, verse number 5 says, everybody else on the boat is crying out in fear. And Jonah, he's so wore out from running from God, all he can do is sleep. This is the same thing that happens 
When you and I as believers, when you and I as the church, this is what happens when we decide that our will is more important than God's will. We wear ourselves out running from God. Look at verse 15. Jump over to verse 15. Ultimately, this shows us where finally the men, they actually take Jonah. They throw him off the ship. They throw him out into the sea. And if you look at the last verse there in chapter number 1 and verse number 17, this reveals to us as Jerry Vines, that great pastor and teacher years ago, he used to say this. He used to say, listen, when you run from God in his will, you're sure to wind up in a whale of trouble. You'll get that in a couple of minutes. I'm sorry if that illustration didn't meet the standards of the keys to victory. When we try to outrun God, the reality is we lose every time. And I think about the people in our lives. See, because no man lives to himself, no man dies to himself. I think about the people in our lives who lose out. When God has called us to go into all the world, when God has told us to love one another, when God has told us to serve one another, when God has told us to pray for one another, and we decide that our will, our way, our thoughts, our ideas are better than his, not only do we lose out, not only do we wear ourselves out, but those that are around us miss out. They miss out on what God could do in and through us. Notice in Jonah chapter 2, in the second quarter, we see Jonah running to God. We see in chapter 1, he's running from God. And in chapter 2, he's running to God. And I just put down in my notes, what does it take for you to run to God? What does it take for you to come to the point where you will say, all right, God, I give up, I surrender, I'll come and I'll run back to you. Well, you see, for Jonah, it took being swallowed by a great fish. See, he wasn't running to God at the point. He was running from God. They throw him over the boat. He gets swallowed up by a great fish. By the way, God and that fish are on speaking terms. <laughs> he prepared the fish for all you all you lovers of science, oh, there ain't no fish that could swallow a man, and it must have been a whale. This, no, it, the Bible says it was a great fish. Why? Because it was prepared by a great God to do great things. He's on, he's on first name basis with the fish. Look at verse number one of chapter two. The Bible says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. And in verses two and following, God's word reveals just how desperate the situation is. Notice with me in verse number two, it says, Jonah says, he says, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I. And thou heardest my voice, for thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of seas, and the floods compassed about me. All thy billows and all thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Notice what he says in verse number four. He says, since I'm cast out of thy sight. Notice the very next thing he says, yet. He says, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. He said, the waters compassed me about. Even to the soul, the death closed round about me. The weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought me up, up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. Look at verse 7. When my soul fainted within me, notice what it says. It says, I remembered the Lord. Wow. 
Jonah sees, Jonah, through his repentance and his recognition of God's greatness and his authority, he sees how things really are. And look at verse number 9. He declares to the Lord, he says, I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Amen? Amen. It was John Ortberg who said, redeeming is what God is into. I like that. He said, redeeming is what God is into. He's the finder of the directionally challenged sheep. Anybody here ever been directionally challenged? Jonah was directionally challenged. God said, go this way. And Jonah said, I I, I, I don't have my compass. I'm going to go this way. No, he was directionally challenged. John Ortberg said, redeeming is what God is into. He's the finder of directionally challenged sheep the searcher of missing coins, the embracer of foolish prodigal sons. His favorite department is the lost and found. Oh, I'm thankful that God loves the lost. Aren't you thankful? Oh, what a Savior we serve, amen? Jonah turns around and he runs to God after repenting and recognizing God's greatness. He begins to praise the Lord. And I've said it many times, when the praise goes up, the power comes down, amen? Ooh, I'm starting to feel better. Starting to feel better, baby. You see, when first things come first, God has a way of using them. The praise went up. Jonah says, oh God, you're great. Man, this was my my condition. This This is where I was. And then I remembered that I need to come back to you, God. I need to understand that salvation is of you. And so when the praise went up, the power came down. And you say, where do you get that? Well, look at verse number 10. Because in verse number 10, the Lord speaks to the fish. Remember, they're on speaking terms. He speaks to the fish, and the fish understands him. Sometimes I speak to people, and I'm not sure they understand me. And yet a fish in Scripture understands God. He speaks to the fish, and the fish spits Jonah up. (laughs) He spits him up as on dry ground. Hold on a second. Weren't we just out in the middle of the sea? Jonah, first quarter, he's running from God. Second quarter, he's running to God. And so after the fish spits him out, here's what he does. Dusts himself off and he gets ready for the third quarter. Because in the third quarter of Jonah's game, in the third quarter of Jonah's story, we see Jonah running for God. Amen? We see him running for God. Look at chapter 3. And this is God's desire. It's not changed. He still wanted Jonah to do exactly what he wanted to do in chapter 1. And look at verse number 1 in chapter 3. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, here we go again, arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it. Now watch these words, the preaching that I bid thee. In other words, you preach what I tell you to preach, Jonah. Let me just stop here. We got a lot of preachers preaching what they think they ought to preach instead of the word of God. This ain't my word. This is God's word. I'm not smart enough to tell you anything. I'm barely smart enough to understand what thus saith the Lord. So 
let me just encourage you. If you're looking for a good church, make sure, because the reality is not everybody's always going to live here in, in the Warrington area. And so you'll be around other churches. Do yourself a favor. If you ever go to another church, make sure they're preaching the word of God. Okay? God told Jonah, he says, get up and go to Nineveh. And he says, when you get there, I want you to preach the preaching, the word that I tell you to preach. Not your word, Jonah. You preach the preaching that I bid thee. Look at verse 3. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And the message is a fun-filled message. Here's Jonah's message. God says, go to Nineveh and tell them they got 40 days and the hammer's going to drop. Uh, God, I was hoping that I could be your ambassador of love and and I'm just going to go and tell them, you know, God, you're a loving God, and you kumbaya, and let's have a holy hug and everything. No, you go and tell them they got 40 days, and the hammer's dropping. Not a popular message, but something happens. Something happens that even Jonah couldn't even have explained or prepared his mind for. Notice in verse number 4. Actually, verse number 5, I'm sorry, verse number 5 of chapter 3. It says, so the people of Nineveh, watch it, they believed God. The wicked people of Nineveh, it says they believed God and they proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even unto the least of them. And if you go on looking at verse 6 and 7 and even part of 8, the Bible tells us how the king of Nineveh, he rises up from his throne, he sets the example for the people, he covers himself with sackcloth, he sits in ashes, right? And then he gets up and he publishes and proclaims this decree that everyone, not even just the man, the men and women, but man and beast, he says, everyone, man and beast in Nineveh are going to fast. And notice in verse number 8 what the king says. In verse number 8, he says, listen, I want you to cry mightily unto God and turn everyone from his evil way and the violence that is in your hands. And because in verse number 9, he says, who can tell what God is going to do? He says, let's do what we can do. You've heard me say this many times. Let's do what we can do and let God do what God can do. Amen. He says, we're going to fast, we're going to pray, we're going to repent, we're going to cry out to God, we're going to turn from our wickedness, and we're going to wait and see what God might do on Super Sunday. Amen? Amen. Verse number 10, chapter 3 actually reveals that because in verse number 9, because the people actually repented, because the people did exactly what God was wanting them to do, verse number 10 tells us that because the people repent, God actually relents from his plan to bring the hammer down. In fact, it's been said that the greatest miracle in the story of Jonah is the salvation or the salvation of hundreds of thousands of people. What a celebration. What a celebration must have taken place in that city. Can you imagine? Jonah's been telling them, 40 days, 40 days, 40 days. And then they get to day 40. And I imagine everybody's probably like, nothing. God relents. He says, thank you for believing me. Thank you for, for turning from your wickedness. Thank you for crying unto me. And so guess what? 
I'm going to withhold judgment right now. Now, you, if you know the rest of the story, the Syrians face judgment later on. But right now in this story, God says, I'm going to relent. I'm going to hold off the judgment. And what a party there must have been. Except for one person. There's a party going on in Nineveh. Except for one person. Oh, my Lord, who could it be? The person who watched this, who was supposedly running for God. You see, Jonah ran from God. He ran to God. In the third quarter of the game, he's supposedly running for God, but he loses sight of the fact that he's not running for himself, he's running for God. And then in the fourth quarter of Jonah's story, we see that Jonah is now running into God. Look at chapter 4 in verse number 1. He's running into God. It says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. Hold on. You're angry because God steps in and saves people? Something's wrong with the picture. In verse number 2 of chapter 4, Jonah's praying to God. Notice what he says. He says, I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful and slow to anger and of great mercy and repentest thee of evil. Here's the point. If you read the first part of that verse, what you see is Jonah says, isn't this what I thought all along when you told me to go to Nineveh? I knew you were going to be merciful. I knew you were going to be loving. I knew you were going to be kind. I knew you were going to give up and, and be a nice guy. Isn't this what was in my heart, God? We never see it in Scripture, but this is what Jonah is saying in verse number 2. Do you know what Jonah's saying? He's more concerned with his reputation than he is with God's will. See, Jonah's been told to go to Nineveh and to cry against it and to preach the preaching that God tells him to preach. And the preaching, the message that he was told to preach is you're going to die in 40 days. The hammer's coming down. God's going to judge you in 40 days. And because he's upset that now he might be seen as a false prophet, he might be seen as something other than what he is, which is nothing more than a servant of God, he gets all twisted sideways about it. And he says, God, why don't you just kill me? It'd be better for me to be dead than to live. If you notice in verse number 3, that's what he says. He wants God to take his life. And Jonah does right there in verse number 3 what you and I do sometimes. You know what he does? He begins to pout. Anybody ever pouted? Anybody ever had a pity party? Let me tell you something. I'm going to be real transparent with you. I pouted Wednesday. When that surgeon came in and he told me that I wasn't done yet, said I was going to have another procedure after Wednesday, I looked at him like a calf looking at a new gate. I said, whoa, 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 I thought this was it. And he said, oh, no, 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 we got, we got more to do. Right before they put me to sleep, I guarantee you, the last thing that I was thinking about was not good. I was like, Lord, what is going on? I got to have another procedure? Sometimes we pout, don't we? And this is what Jonah is doing. He's pouting. He's pouting here. He forgot who he was running for, and he gets angry because God didn't bring the hammer down on the people of Nineveh, and you and I are just like that. And what's crazy about that is you and I, we actually know how gracious God is. 
You and I know that he is rich in mercy. You and I know that he's slow to anger. And every one of us would say, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. He is gracious. He is merciful. He's slow to anger. Thank you, God. Thank you for loving me, loving me. And then yet, when he doesn't strike someone down that we think should be struck down, we get mad about it. We're like, God, that person needs needs to be smacked. That's not your business, and it's not my business either. We gotta get, we gotta pull the halo off. Sometimes we got the halo on so tight. I'm not in charge of judging people. That's not my job. My job is to be an example of Christ's love and his truth. Jonah, he's upset because God didn't punish people the way he thought he should. But folks, I put in my notes, God is not obligated to exact punishment. God is only obligated to fulfill his promises. And the Bible tells you and I, thank goodness it says this in 1 John 1 and 9, that if you and I, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In the first quarter, Jonah is running from God. In the second quarter, he's running to God. The third quarter, he's running for God, or so we think. And then in the fourth quarter, he's headbutting, running into God. In 1929... The Rose Bowl, the college football championship in 1929, the Rose Bowl featured the University of California, the Golden Bears, as they are so aptly known. They were facing the undefeated uh, <clears throat> Georgia Tech. Now, Georgia Tech was 9-0 that year in 1929. Uh, Georgia Tech were, at that point, they were not the Yellow Jackets, they were the Golden Tornadoes. And so in 1929, the Rose Bowl game featured the University of California, who were not undefeated, versus the highly favored Georgia Tech Golden Tornadoes. I believe Chuck Wisniewski was their running back. And uh, anyway, you'll get that later. But the Georgia Tech football team, they were locked, it was deadlocked, zero to zero, late in the first half. And the running back for the Georgia Tech Golden Tornadoes fumbles the ball. An All-American by the name of Roy Regals picks up the ball. And it was said that the skirmish was like none other. They were on the field and they were scrapping. The ball was going this way, got sideways. This All-American for the University of California, Roy Regals, picks up the ball. And in, in the midst of running around, getting away from all the tacklers, he gets twisted and turned around and he takes off 75 yards. And as he's running, his teammates, including his best friend, Benny Loam, are behind him. And they're constantly yelling, stop, stop, stop. Roy Regals, he just keeps on running. As it happened, his best friend tackled him on the one-yard line. just before he ran into his own end zone. The score was 0-0. Zero to zero. The University of California was forced to punt out of their own end zone. The Georgia Tech Golden, Golden Tornadoes blocked the punt, scoring a safety, which would later prove to be the, the margin of victory in the Rose Bowl game. It was said that in the locker room, that Roy Regals took a towel 
and he went over in the corner and he put the towel over his head and he sat down in the locker room all alone. And it was said that as he sat there, not a word was spoken in the locker room. The coach didn't have some big speech. He didn't have a lot of information for the team. Roy just sat there alone, weeping. The Rose Bowl officials came in and told the, the University of California team, said, you've got three minutes. Coach Nibs Price, that's what his name was. Nibs Price stood up and he said, okay, guys, the team that started the game in the first half will play the second half. Let's go out. Let's go. Let's go. The whole team got up and they left and went out to the field. And Coach Price turned around and there was one player still sitting in the locker room. It was Roy Regals. And he had that towel draped over his head. And he said, come on, Roy, let's go. Did you hear me? Not a movement. He went over and he put his hand on Roy's shoulder and he said, Roy, he said, did you hear me? The same team that started the game is going to start the second half and play the second half. Roy Regals was an All-American. Roy Regals looked up, tear-filled eyes, and he said, I can't do it, coach. He said, I've ruined you. I've ruined the University of California. I've ruined myself. There's no way that I can get out there in front of the crowd and show my face again. His coach leaned down and said, Roy, get up and get out there. It's only halftime. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're watching online. And you want to be real honest with God today? Maybe you're here, maybe you're watching online, and maybe your marriage, maybe your life has been falling apart. Maybe you failed as a parent. Maybe you failed as a child, as a sibling, as a friend, as a coworker. I don't know what your situation is, but maybe you feel like, man, I've really blown it. Maybe you struggle with your jobs. You keep losing jobs, or you struggle to manage your money financially, or you struggle with a temper or unbiblical anger, or you have an anxiety problem, you deal with fear all the time, depression, or maybe you have a problem with gossip. I don't know what the issues are, but maybe you're sitting here today and you say, you know what, there was a time that I felt like I was running from God. Maybe you feel like you're running from God today. And there was a time that I ran to God. And there was a time that I felt like I was running for God. And there have been times in my life where I felt like I've been headbutting against God. I simply want to say to you, whatever the situation is in your, in your life, I simply say carpe diem. Carpe diem, seize the day. Don't sit on the sidelines. Take the towel off of your shoulders. Quit weeping. Quit thinking about what took place in the first, second, third, or even the fourth quarter and get back on the field of play because the game is not over yet, so to speak. Proverbs. Chapter 24 and verse number 16 says, For a just man falleth seven times and rises up again. Get up again. If you've fallen down, get up again and keep running because the game is not over. And if you're here, you're watching, and you've never received Christ as your Savior, think back to the people of Nineveh. God tells Jonah they got 40 days. And now to, there's a, by the way, there's a thin line between God's mercy and God's judgment. 
He says, you got 40 days. And the people of Nineveh actually believed God's message that they had 40 days. Can I tell you, God has not said that you or I have 40 days. Life is a vapor. It appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. If you don't know Jesus, can I tell you that today the best decision you could make, whether you're watching online, you're sitting here in the room, young person, middle-aged person, senior saint, it doesn't matter whatever your station is, life is. If you don't know Jesus, here's the reality. You know what we deserve? We deserve exactly what Nineveh deserved. But God says, hey, I want to offer you a gift. And that's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. I loved you enough to send my son to die for you, and so I'm offering you that gift. So if you don't know Jesus, trust Jesus. And you can do that by calling upon the name of the Lord. But maybe you're saved. Maybe you're here today, and you say, I'm running, for God. I'm running from God. I've been running according to my own will. I've pulled a wrong way regals, so to speak. I've been running in the wrong direction. Can I tell you that's not God's plan? And you have an opportunity today, just like Jonah had. He had a choice. He made a choice. I want to encourage you to make the choice that considers God's will, not your own will. Maybe you've been running for God, but you've lost sight of his will. Maybe you've been running into God because you're unhappy with the hand he dealt you. <laughs> Can I tell you, real transparently, I'm not real happy with the hand I've been dealt over the past month or so. Right? I'll be real honest with you. I'm not happy with the hand that I've been dealt over the past month or so because I don't like not being here. I don't like teaching and preaching the Word of God. I don't like fellowshipping with you. I don't like not being able to serve you and to pray with you and to pray for you. And those things I can do on my own, but not being with you has been hard. But it hasn't caused me to butt heads with God. We could still run for God. We could still run to Him in our needs, no matter what you have thought, no matter what you have said, no matter what you have done, you and I can count on God's faithfulness. He is a God who loves. He's a God who forgives. He will get us running in the right direction and for the right reason. But you and I must seize the day. The game's not over. You say, man, I'm 75 years old. Okay, the game's not over. Hey, I'm 25 years old. I got a lot of life left. That's not a guarantee. I'm 40. I've got half of my life. That's not a guarantee. Whatever you want to do, whatever you know that you need to do for the Lord, I encourage you to do it right now. Seize the day. Seize the opportunity. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.